All right, today, 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 I am going to switch from moving up to different levels in giving. Last week, we talked about kind of between talking to God and doing what he says is this word called discern. How many were here last week? Raise your hand again. Okay, so some, you, more than last time I asked that question, so that means some of you weren't paying attention the first time. Okay, <laughs> between talk to God and do what he says is this word discern. Some people are, are struggling with, did God really say? Did he tell me to move to Florida? Yes. Did he tell me to give a big check next week? No. You know, like, how do I know? Is it a bad taco? Was it Jesus? How do I know? We need to learn to discern. It's a, it's a spiritual muscle. And so some people are always discerning and never deciding. I'm praying about it. And you'll be praying about it till Jesus comes back. And some of us are deciding and never discerning. We're making knee-jerk, quick, reflexive, reactive decisions. And then we get in trouble. Then we blame God. We're upset with God. And we're saying, why didn't you bless it? It's because we didn't involve him in it. God wants us to make decisions from a place of discerning. So that was week one. That was week two. Today, we're going to talk about kind of a, a key ingredient to movement. And what, what it is, I'll unpack in a second. And, and, and it's really a, a word that you've, you've circled before. But the word is motivation. The motivation for movement. Everybody say motivation. motivation. There's a motivation for giving. There's a motivation for generosity. There's a motivation for doing for others. Sometimes because you see somebody who's hungry, you just want to help them. Sometimes you see somebody who's lost and you want to help them, you know, find the Lord. Sometimes uh, you, 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 just, you just want, you can, you can meet the need and so you, you want to meet it. Sometimes you, you know another motivation might be you sow because you know you'll reap because it's a, it's a law, the law of harvest. But another motivation in fact, it's the greatest motivation of all. It's the greatest secret, really, motivation to generosity. And if I had a drummer, I'd create a drum roll. And the drum roll, it's just one word. And that one word is eternity. The greatest motivation for living a life of generosity and giving is eternity. Because we live in a world today, truth is, that is overstimulated, overly motivated by what I can get not what I can give. Yeah, yeah. By being a container, not a conduit. By, by what can I receive, not can what I bless others with. The Bible tells us in Genesis 12 that we're blessed to be a blessing. It, the, the, it tells us in Acts 20, 35 that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Are you with me, everybody? And so most of what we feel, what we see, what we experience in the world today is let's do everything we can to make everything on this earth better Dot, 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 for me. For me. And so, yet the Bible redirects us constantly. And I want to show you how the Bible redirects us. Because the Bible's preparing us for something that's coming down the road. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. Are you ready? Here's what it says. Five people ready. Praise the Lord. It says this. Paul, he's giving a, um, a little exhortation to two people who are having a confrontation. And he says... You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? I want you to think about yourself right here. Or why do you treat them with contempt? He says, for we will all, everybody say all, all. stand before God's judgment seat. Okay? So, parentheses, how you live matters. How you, let me say it like this, how you live now matters then. Okay? Are you with me? I want to be a good pastor this morning, so if you brought a guest... Uh, and, and it's a little strong, praise the Lord. This is for you, not them. They get a free pass today. 
It says, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. In other words, there's going to be a, a moment in human history where everybody from Adam and Eve forward who has died is going to be there and People who are uh, Christians, who have come to the realization and revelation of who Jesus really is, and people who haven't are all going to be there, and they're going to have to uh, recognize that Jesus is who he says he was, that he is the Son of God, that he is King of kings and Lord of lords, and guess what? what? They're going to have to bow. That's going to happen. Say, I don't believe that. doesn't matter. It's still going to happen. You can be wrong, okay? So then... He goes on to repeat himself because it's so important. He says, each of you will give an account of himself to God. All right? So what I want to say at the outset is, and kind of set us up for something, is there's more to this life than this life. There's more to this life than this life. And some of you might have brought people to church today, and you were hoping for a message that will help you with your today. You're hoping that it would help you with your marriage. You're hoping that it would help you with your relationship. You're hoping it would help me with your job. You're hoping it would help you with your health because you just gained 20 pounds in the last two days. You just thought it was going to be about that. I did. So, so I'm just throwing myself in. You know what I mean? Um, but, but, and sometimes we do that. In fact, a lot of the church and a lot of the Bible has to do with what happen, what's happening here today. But this message is more about tomorrow. It's not so much about the here and now. It's more about the when and then. Are you there, everybody? Now, I had to ask my kids for just for confirmation of this, because I am, I am culturally uh, sheltered comparatively. I try to stay up with all you youngins, okay? But it's tough, because things are changing. The, la- the slang, the language, the modern vernacular, uh, the stuff that I say, they don't say anymore. Like if somebody's, somebody looks, they're bringing, they're, they're, they're dressed really nice, we used to always say, bringing it righteous. They are bringing it righteous. They don't say that anymore. I still say that. I've been saying that since the 80s, so apologies. But anyway, I asked my kids, I said, I heard this word. I think I heard who it came from. It's this word, YOLO. <laughs> Am I there? Am I there? First service this one, okay. I don't know. This word, YOLO, is that how you say it, YOLO? Yeah. Okay, all right. This guy, Drake, everybody, who, any, all the Drake lovers out there, don't raise your hand. You're in church. You're like, Wait a second. So Drake coined this phrase. YOLO means you only live, you only live once, okay? So the truth behind that is, or the revelation behind that is, it's really a message to the world that's irresponsible. It's really saying, yeah, I'm going to. So it's really saying that if you want to eat it, go ahead and eat it because you only live once. It's really saying if you feel, if it feels good, just go ahead and do it because you only live once. If it says, you, if you want to hook up with that person tonight or tomorrow, go ahead because you only live once. It's just, I could go on. Do you want me to go on? I won't because we'll all feel bad. But it just goes on to just encourage this you only live once thing. But I just want to tell you, nothing can be further from the truth according to the Bible. It doesn't say that in the Bible. That, that's faulty thinking. In fact, I, wanna, I want a new kind of phrase. I want a new, like, kind of catchphrase, a new little hashtag. All right, are you ready for this? It could be a little weird. But here's my word that I want to introduce to our church, and the word is yolt. Yolt. You only live twice. You only live twice. What? Hold on. Look at the Bible. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, man is destined to live once. See that, Pastor? Hold up. And after that, to face judgment. So there's a one out of one chance that you're going to die one day. 100% chance we're all going to die. Praise the Lord. Again, my guest is loving church today, Pastor. Thank you so much. 
But then he goes on to say, he reveals right after that, he says, but there's another event coming. This event is called the judgment, okay? Now, so here's my job. And, and this will pretty up as the message goes on, so don't feel too bad. So part of my job isn't to help you just get your job back, just get your health back, just get your marriage back, just get your family back, to get your money intact, all that kind of stuff. Part of my job is to help you and prepare you to pass a major test, a final exam. I don't want any, I don't want, there's, it's not pass-fail, okay? It's, well, excuse me, it is pass-fail. And, and, but you can't afford to fail, okay? The price is too high. Now, I was a student in high school. Let me, let me rephrase that. I was a bad student in high school. I was a late, 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 late bloomer when it came to being a good student. I was, I was fairly smart, um, but I just was so undisciplined, which is hard to believe. Save Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, I, I wouldn't be the disciplined person. I'm, I'm much more disciplined today than I was. I'm an active reader. I, I hated history. I love history. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a, like a serial learner now. Back then, not so much. But I actually thought, like, I'd walk in a test thinking, I got this. Like, I had this strange cocky confidence that I'm going to pass this. I liked all the tests. I like multiple choices like my favorite. I'm like, A was nice. B was beautiful. C, I cherish. D was dandy. They were all good to me. And then I'd pick all kinds of letters and come back, D, you know, praise the Lord. You know what I mean? I'm like, wait a minute. I thought I aced that, you know. And, and, but the test that really worked best for me as an undisciplined student back then was the open book tests. Come on, all you C students, raise your hand. Who likes open book tests? Yeah? All you A students, can you just take a day off once in a while for the rest of us? You're messing up the curve. Okay. So, so the open book test, you know, you could, you could be successful. So what I am giving you the chance to experience today is an open book test. So when the test comes, you can pass it. You can answer the questions. How many are interested in being able to answer the questions on that exam when it comes on that judgment day? Yes? Five people are interested in that. Okay, no. Hopefully you all. So I'm, let me just tell you something. There's two big questions. Two. And the language may not be exactly like this, but I'm pretty confident it's just about 100% correct what the two questions are going to be. Okay? So here's the first question that surrounds this first judgment that everybody's at the great white throne judgment dum, dum, dum. it's 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 real okay here's the question that's going to be asked of every single person who is there the question will be what did you do with my son jesus what did you do you personally with my son what do you mean what did i do with what did i what did i do with jesus like what what are you talking about like it's going to be a question that's directed at you and you're going to have to in so many words address what Jesus did for you and your response to that. Do you, did you recognize that he was your sin substitute? That you were actually destined for eternal separation from him. And it's just like a person who was on death row. And somebody came in and took your place who was innocent. Did you respond to that, to that gift that God through his son gave you? Are you with me everybody? And, and some people are going to maybe have th different answers. They might be good, but they won't be right. Some people will say, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I heard that story. I read that, and I know where that is in the Bible. Oh, and I even went, I even went to his house on a regular basis. No, I, I actually believe that. 
But can I just tell you something? Even the devil believes that. Demons believe that. There's, there's, there's something sometimes that's missing. All those things can be good, but they can be, you can be deceived. So at this great white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, that's going to be, that's gonna be your, the, the, the king of kings and lord of lords. And the earth and heavens fled from the presence, and there was no place for them. This is just big Bible language saying time ended, no more time on the clock, it's over. And I saw the dead. Everybody say the dead. dead. That's everyone who lived. From, from beginning to end, from Adam and Eve forward, and, 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 and they're standing before the throne, and books, books, plural. And then there, it says they were opened. And then it says there's another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. So let me explain this before you make it real clear. There's a pile of books over here with everything that you've ever done and ever thought recorded in it. And then there's a book, singular, over here with people who in this life have called on the name of the Lord. In this life, their name is written in that book, singular. Okay? So, so, so when, you, when you get to heaven, you're going to have had to have pre-decided in order to be in that book. And if you didn't, then you'll be judged on these books is what it's saying. Okay? The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So I have a recommendation. As your professor today, I want to make sure your name is in the book, singular. Have you figured that out, everybody? And it's not because of what uh, you could do or have done or will do. It's because of what Jesus already did for you and you acknowledging that and accepting that. It's not based on works. And if it was your works that you think going to get you to heaven, then you're going to be judged on all your works according to the books. And it's going to be weighed. And you'll be found guilty in the balance because it won't be enough. Okay, are you with me, everybody? So, Pastor D, how do I get, how do I be sure my name's over there in that book? Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say, um, but only the ones who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy your name? Didn't we drive out demons? Didn't we do miracles? And then, so in other words, let me modernize this. Didn't we go to that church over there in Ashland? Over there in Framingham, over there in, in Bellingham. Didn't we? I was even in a small group. I, my, my kids went to the leadership school. My kids went to CY. I went on a missions trip. I was a tither. All those kind of things. This is what God says. If you're trusting in that, then I'm going to tell them plainly, I never knew you. So let, let me say it this way. Many people have met the church, but they never met Jesus. Many people met church but never Jesus. Many people never went to church but know Jesus. Conversely. So don't think there's always a direct association between the two. In fact, we always say in our next steps, I don't, I, I would be remiss. I used to say this every time. I'd be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't take a moment to encourage you. Don't join the church before you've joined Jesus. And then we would give people an opportunity to come to faith. In fact, the last Step one that I taught, we had something like 22 people give their life to Jesus or something like that in the, in the class. Are you with me? So, so that's the first question at the first exam at the great white throne judgment. And the answer to the question that you need to have, and I'm giving you in advance, this is an open book test, is when you ask that question, how do I know that I'm in there? You, got, you basically say, I knew him personally. I knew him personally. I surrendered my life to him, my whole life to him. It's not about what I did. It's about what he already did for me. I believe 
that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he was a sacrifice for my sins, a perfect sacrifice for my sin. And he died, and he paid for my sin, past, present, and future. And I'm not, I don't just believe in him. I put my faith, my trust, and my hope, and I've transferred all that I could do for myself into what he already did for me 2,000 years ago. And because of that, I love him. I know he loves me. And we're building this relation. We have a relationship. It's not based on religious activities or, act, or things that I could do to earn that. I could never earn that. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, or we would brag about it. Yeah. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 if you need a reference. Are you with me, everybody? Yeah. So if you answered that correctly, when you die, you get to go to the second test. You get to experience a second exam, so to speak, a second uh, judgment. But this judgment's different. This judgment comes with a second question, uh, and, and we'll get to that. But this judge, judgment is not like a judge with a gavel, you know, I sentence you to, and then whatever, 100 years in prison. It's not that. This judgment is more like a judgment at an award ceremony. This is more like an Olympic event, and all these people are observing and watching and experiencing this incredible occasion. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Only Christ followers will be there. Is everybody with me right now? And the question basically that's going to be asked of you is, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? And this isn't just about resources and money and things. It includes that. It's about anything and everything you have is his. I don't know if you realize this, but the Bible says the earth is the Lord, Psalm 24, 1, and the fullness thereof. The cattle, of all, all, everything belongs to God. Everything was created by him, for him, to bring honor to him. Colossians 1, 16. It's all his, everybody. It is he who gave you the power to get wealth. Even the money you have, it came from him. So it's all, everything's his. And he's basically saying, I want you to leverage anything and everything for him. What did you do? What did you do with your voice? You could sing, but you never sang for God. What did you do with your, your hands? You, you could build things, but you never did anything to make a difference for God with your craftsmanship gift. What did you do with your mouth? You never used your mouth to be able to share the love of God with somebody and, 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 and help somebody understand something with stories and with testimonies. What did you do with the talents? What did you do with your time? Did you use all your time for yourself? What did you do with your treasure and your resource? You were so blessed, but all of it was to build your kingdom instead of his kingdom. Everything, anything that you have was because of him. Are you with me? When I was a young man, I played, uh, played basketball. I, I, used to like, I, I, I used to think I was a baller. Um, I used to be able to jump. Now I got my feet planted on a firm foundation. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. But anyway, literally it's the truth. Like I literally look under the net. I'm like, can I touch that anymore? Anyway, uh, but... When I, when I was learning how to play basketball, my parents sent me to a basketball camp. And this is how far back it goes for some of you old timers. Dave Cowan's basketball camp. Some of you are like, who the heck's Dave Cowan's? He was a famous Celtic. But anyway, went to this basketball camp. Some of you are like, how old is he? Uh, went to this camp. What I didn't know, they were, they, were, they were investing in me to get better. What I didn't know was, uh, and I was so happy to find out, it was co-ed. <laughs> Confessions of a pastor. Okay, I wasn't a pastor back then, so don't judge me, Okay. So I was like, awesome, there's girls here? This is incredible. This is awesome. Which was the whole, not the point. So I totally got focused on the wrong thing all week long. I'm preoccupied with pretty girls in shorts, okay? Just to be honest with you. Praise the Lord. All right? I'm saved now. Relax. Um, <laughs> sanctified. Praise the Lord. 
But at the end of the week, there was what I didn't know because I wasn't paying attention, but it was in the print. Like when you, when you signed up, it said th different things will be rewarded, different, different awards will happen. There's going to be an awards ceremony on Friday afternoon, blah, 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 at the end of the week, culminating at the end of the week. Go to this basketball gym, people, hundreds of people sitting in the stands, and I looked down on the floor, and there is tables with trophies, all different sizes. It just kept on going up, going up, going up. And all kinds of awards and different things, things you put over your neck, shirts that you give, apparel, all that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting in the crowd, I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And then all of a sudden they start calling out people from the crowd. Not everybody, not everybody, not everybody. Just some people, some people are getting MVP for the camp. Some people are getting best defensive player. Some people are getting whatever, the foot fire champ. Some people are getting, you know, all these different awards. And I remember looking at my friends and saying, nobody told me. This was, there was going to be awards here? And they said, yeah. It was in, it was in the, it was in the print when you signed up. You just didn't pay attention. Here's where I'm going with this. Someday, and this is my job. It's not part-time, it's full-time. My job is to help prepare you. One day you're going to be sitting in that stand. And you're not going to be able to say, nobody told me. Because I told you right now. I told you right now. You will or will not be rewarded based on how you live your life now. Are you with me, everybody? Second, you're supposed to leverage it for God. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, For we, Christians, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him. And, and, and by the way, people like think everything in the, in the kingdom of God is about grace. Grace, 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 grace. It, as it pertains to salvation and getting this worked out, it is grace. You're saved by grace through faith. It's a free gift. Jesus wants everybody to be with him. And, and, and all you got to do is receive that gift of grace. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. That's not changed. So you're not saved by grace. Listen, you're not saved by, by works. Excuse me. You're saved by grace. But once you are saved, you're saved for good works. You're not saved by them. You're saved for them. So in the beginning, salvation is grace, 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 grace. Once you're saved, it's work, 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 work. Work for God. Why? And, and is there any motivation for it? Yes. You'll be rewarded. You work because later, everybody say later, later. you'll be rewarded. My daddy used to say, do you want an ice cream now or a bike later? I'd say, ice cream now. <laughs> That's how the world lives. But if you'll, if you'll pay now, you'll, pay, you'll receive more later. Greater if you pay now. Are you with me? So Jesus said it like this, for the Son of Man, Matthew 16, 27, is going to come in his Father's glory. So he's coming back with his angels, and then, this is what he's going to do. Look, I want you to see that he's a rewarder. He will reward each person according to what he's done. That word reward in the Greek, um, apodidomai, means that he's going to pay you back. He's going to pay you back for everything you did in his name. Does he have to? Of course not. In fact, when I first studied that in the original language, I thought, he doesn't have to pay me for anything. The cross paid for everything. And I'm grateful. And he spoke to me and just said, yes, and you will be. When you're in heaven, you're going to just be thankful because of the cross and what it did for you and that you're there. You won't, you won't want anything because you're so grateful. But I said, God, why are you doing that? He goes, because it's my show. I want to. I want to bless and I want to reward my kids for what they did here, there. In fact, I'm so excited about it, I want to bring my reward with me when I come down to get them. It talks about that in Revelation 22, 12. He says, behold, I'm coming quickly. This is the last thing, kind of one of the last verses in the Bible. 
and I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. I'm so happy to give it to you. I'm not leaving it there. I'm coming with it. Ever, ever had like, you know, you got presents and you just can't wait to give them? This is, that's Jesus' heart. To give everyone according to his work. So the answer to the second question, first question is I know him personally. The answer to the second question is, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. I used whatever God gave me to make an eternal difference. I used whatever God gave me to make an eternal difference. Because the only thing that really matters in this life is what affects heaven, not earth. You're not taking anything with you, everybody. Everything's on loan. In fact, Jesus talks about this somewhere. He says, like, if you give a, if you give a drink of water, do it in my name. It can't just be, this is where the world messes it up. And, I, and I'm not, I don't think these things are bad, but this is where social justice gets mixed up. Social justice without eternal justice isn't justice. If you give them a gift, but then you don't give them the most important and wonderful gift of all, you fail. You failed ultimately. Let me say it like this strong statement. If you filled every hungry belly with food and just eliminated physical hunger, but they were disconnected from God eternally, we lose. Eat. Social justice without eternal justice isn't justice. Now, eternal justice without social justice isn't right either. In other words, we can't say, you just get Jesus, but I don't care about clothing the naked, feeding the poor, and taking care of the hungry. That's wrong too. Is everybody with me? You got to have both, but one is more important than the other. Say amen. All right. So we must live our lives with a different set of values, a different investment philosophy. We have, some of you have IRAs, you know, you have your own retirement account. God wants you to have an E-R-O-I mentality, an eternal return on investment mentality, or an ERA, an internal retirement account. What are you doing now that is building that account in heaven? And, and what are you doing here that makes a difference eternally? Because if you don't, you're just storing up treasures where the Bible says moth and rust corrupts. Matthew 6.19 says it like this, store it for yourselves. So you're not just doing it for others. When you, give, when you give to eternal things, it's not just for others. It's also helping you later. Store it for yourselves, treasures in heaven. That's what happens when you do that. And so here's kind of the big point of this whole thing. I want to encourage you in this life, with the limited time and opportunity that you have left, to be far more intentional than you are being. Many people are just getting up, sucking air, taking up space, and abusing God's grace every single day, just going on through life on cruise control. You may not believe this next thing that I'm going to say, but I believe Jesus is coming back soon for his church. He's looking for a bride without spot or wrinkle. You know, it doesn't mean we're perfect or wrinkle-free. It just means we got problems, but we're about his purposes. And he finds us occupied until he comes. That's what it says, occupy until he comes. We're supposed to be work, 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 doing the work of God. Are you with me? And I think that time is shorter than it is. It's not just because I'm older, though because I am older, I think differently about things. You know, I, I think about my retirement, a financial retirement. That's where most people go. When the time is shorter towards financial, uh, financially not working anymore, what do we do? We invest more. We save more. We think about the future more. God wants you to do that about the future of humanity. Can I have a better amen from these two people, somebody else out here? God wants you to think about humanity. Humanity is, is so far from God, more than ever, and you're the answer. 
The church is God's plan A. You're the solution. You're the ones that's going to make an eternal difference for him in this life. So how do you do that more specifically? Number one, you, you, this is how you do it. I will intentionally give. I intentionally give. Again, not just talking about money, using everything I have. Everything I have. Time, your talent, and your treasure. Are you doing that? Or is it all built around your life? People that, people that are generous are always happier, by the way. Generous people are always happy. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says, when you are that way, it says, you'll be, you'll be made rich in every way. Not just with money, but you're going to have joy, you're going to have peace. You have fulfillment in your heart. So, so when you are generous to other people, you're going to be blessed so, so that you can have more for yourself. No, that's the prosperity, abusive, crazy message that's out there. No, it's so that you can be generous on every occasion. So you're blessed so that you can keep on being a blessing to other people. So God doesn't want, he doesn't want containers. He wants conduits. Right? He doesn't want things to go to us. He wants things to go through us, kind of have an amen, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, what happens? People, because of that, will be thankful to God. They'll connect to God. So your generosity, I like to say it like this, if there was a money sign, it equals souls. If you use it right, if the right spirit is on it, that's the kind of church that I believe I do pastor. I think this is one of the most generous churches uh, that I know. But I'm encouraging those to, 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 that struggle to just look at your time, your talent, and your resources, all that you have, and realize it's God who gave it to you. And how are you leveraging that to make an eternal difference for God? And it's specific to your money. If you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. Yeah. Drop the mic on that one. <laughs> I, I don't know how to say this part. because I didn't say this in the first service, and I'm always out of time. But I, I humbly say it like this. this. That part isn't hard for me. Okay? And, and some of it's because my daddy discipled me. And I, I just want to, like, bookmark that for you. My, my dad discipled me. He was an extremely generous person. Uh, for many years, and I'm bragging on him, not me, for many years my father was the number one giver in this church for, like, 20 years as the pastor. And he didn't make the same money. He didn't make more money than everybody else. Okay? He was just, he just lived that life. And I watched God bless him. I just watched it. I watched it. I watched it. And, he, and he was able to be blessed and enjoy life and, and bless us. But he also taught me, you know, he taught me how to steward resources too. Because there's limited resources and we need to steward them and maximize those. So, he, you know, he, he had me like working hard when I was a boy. I mean, I had, I had multiple jobs before I was 13 years old. I had my own business when I was 13 years old. Uh, but my daddy taught me those things. And he taught me how to budget. It's like a bad word in society today, budget. It was so much a part of, of, of my life. Remember, he, he physically said, this is how you do a budget. We sat down, pencil, paper. We didn't have spreadsheets and, you know, all the things that we have today. It was all physical. And, and I had a checkbook, like, when I was 10. And I had to carry the budget sheet in my checkbook. You're like, what kind of bills did you have? Well, not a lot of bills back then. <laughs> But I had a lawn mowing business, so I had, you know, I, had, I had different things that I'd save up for. I had, I had, he made me tithe. I didn't really have a choice. You have to tithe. I'm so thankful for that because it's just a, it's just a part of who I am to this day. And, 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 and budget, you know, I remember being in ministry. We had to carry our budget as pastors around with us. So at any moment if Pastor Ernie called for the budget, we had to show him, and it better, he would say this, and it better be up to date. Okay? Why am I telling you this? Because you need to be discipled. 
Some of you need to be disciples. You didn't get that, and I understand that. So, so I, I'm, I'm acting part and parcel as a discipler today, but I'm also encouraging you. In fact, this Saturday we have a seminar, a financial seminar. You should check it out. It's a three-hour seminar to help you plan for the future wisely and better. We have very skilled people for that. If you don't know about that, go to our event page online. But God wants you, God, God's going to, whether, whether you have a dad that held you accountable, your heavenly father is going to hold you accountable yeah, yeah. for how you handled your resources. Are you with me? Ron Blue wrote a book called Mastering Your Money. I, met it, I read it many years ago. I met, I've read many books since then on money. I'm amazed how many people have problems with money. Don't study it. Wow. Don't study it. Money's not bad. Money's neutral. It's the spirit on the money that's bad. And you need to just submit that to God, that spirit to God, so that he can bless that. But it's, got, but, but it's neutral. In one hand, it's good for you. In another hand, it's bad for you. But a lot, a lot of it has to do with how, how have you dealt with this part of your heart. Are you with me, everybody? But some people, this is what they do with their money. Five things people do with their money. They spend it. They repay debt. They pay taxes. They save it. And in some small instances, they give it. But look at, look at how messed up this is. This is saying me first, creditors second, government third, me fourth, others what? Last. Last. The order is totally wrong. What would happen if you literally reverse this to reflect what some of you say you believe but don't practice? Wow. In other words, a lot of people say, I believe that, but are you doing it? And it's a totally different answer. See, God's going to hold you accountable for what you did with what he gave you. 1 Corinthians 16. Can you handle this, everybody? I'm almost done. The squeeze of the Charmin is almost over, okay? 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, on the first day of the week, everybody say first day. So you can see this idea of what we do first. God, God shows this first fruits thing everywhere. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So this definitely denotes an intentionality in giving. This is New Testament. Then it says, it's definitely percentage or proportionate to your income. You can see that in the text as well. And then kind of why? It's saying, first, and save it up. So that means you don't react to something. You are already prepared to do that something. It says saving it up so that what? No collection will have to be made. So what happens is if the church of Jesus Christ would do what the Bible actually says, you wouldn't have people like me coming up here pushing with big appeals, slick videos, all these like crafty ways to try to, you know, lace the crowds, try to get stuff out of them. I'm not trying to get something out of you. I'm trying to get something into you. In fact, if you don't give a dime, don't give here, okay? Give somewhere, though. Give somewhere where you trust, where you think it's good soil, where you believe what they're doing is giving you an eternal, re uh, eternal return in heaven. Are you with me? But I'm telling you, this, this is what the Bible says. I'm not, this is what Pastor Derek says. This is what the Bible says. Yes or no, everybody? So if people did what the Bible says, we wouldn't even pass plates. That's what it's saying here. This is, like my, this is like my theme verse for why we don't pass a plate here, everybody. So you, don't, you shouldn't be pressure. It should be we do, this for the right, we do this for the right reasons. Number two, I will intentionally serve. I'll intentionally give. I'll intentionally. What does it mean to be intentional? I intentionally give. I intentionally serve. Because I think people look, they come to church like this. They see all the people. They see all the things happening. And subconsciously or consciously, some of you think, uh, everything's fine here. I don't need to serve. Everything's all set. Listen, listen to what I'm going to say. This will surprise you. You're right. It is. We're all set. In fact, we don't need you to do anything. Okay? To be completely honest with you, everything's working without you. But let me say it like this. It would work a whole lot better with you. It would work so much better with you. 
It's not about I need you. It's you need this. God needs you. God, need, God decided to need you. He doesn't really need you. He decided to need you. Are you with me, everybody? It would work better with everybody involved. So I'm inviting you guys to get involved. That's what it looks like to be intentional. Are you living your life intentionally? Are you using your talents uh, for God? First Timothy 6 says, tell them, Pastor Derek, to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works too, not just with their money, but with their talents, and should give happily to those in need. So many of you did that. You sponsored children in the Dominican Republic. Great job. Some of you take, you know, families here locally off the giving tree downstairs and help people. Some hundreds of blessing boxes went out of this church in all our locations. I'm incredibly proud of you. It was amazing. And many of you will give sacrificially next week in this season of giving. But it says, always ready to share with other, others whatever God has given them. And then he redirects them. By doing this, they will be storing up real, I'm telling you what the Bible says, real treasures for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment. The best investment you can make is in these kind of things. Are you with me? I'm just trying to prepare you for the second question. Number three, my last point. How do you live intentional? I will intentionally share my faith. I'll intentionally share my faith. Listen, don't just wait for everybody in your life to figure it out. Oh, just my life. I'm just going to let my life be an example. Yes, your life needs to be an example, but sometimes it requires you got to say something. Your words need to be spoken too. How will they know unless they're said? How will they know unless you tell them? The Bible tells us in the book of Romans. It's so important that you be the salt and the light to the world. And I'm just saying, you don't have to maybe say it like I say it, do it like I do it. But I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm sometimes surprised. How, I'm going to say something strong here, so hang on. I'm sometimes surprised how long people have come and never invited somebody to church that they say they love. Even tithe to. The pastor, you're just beating us up today. You think anybody's coming back next week? Yes, I do, because I think people like to be told the truth. Yes, I do. I'm telling you the truth. You, you can't just live the same. You can't just, like, sit on your blessed assurance and have your comfortable chair and your climate control. And it's all about, it's not all about you. You'll get sick in your soul if it's all about you. You have to make it about somebody else's soul so you don't get sick. I'm telling you, you got to invite somebody. And if you invite somebody to church, by the way, if there's something wrong with our church that's keeping you from inviting them, please write it on a connection card because I want I want, I want to know that. I want to pray about that. I want to talk about that with our leadership. If it's too cold, if it's too loud, if it's too hot, if you don't like I said this. I had a couple of people tell me a couple of things that, that kept them from bringing people to church. For example, I'm just going to say it out loud just to be vulnerable. I'm not going to say anymore, it's quiet in this Catholic church. Because some people think it's funny, but there may be some people that don't. And I heard from you, I heard from you that some people don't like that, and that's why they're not going to bring their Catholic. I would never want to say something that would keep your Catholic friends from coming to connect. So you won't hear me say that again. And I'm sorry if I offended anybody. I didn't mean to do that. That's not my intent. I want to win souls. I don't want to offend people. But I will offend you for the sake of Jesus. I will say some things that are strong if it will help provoke you to godliness and good works. Can I have an amen? So I'm encouraging you. Invite, invite your friends to church. It will be the best service you ever. You'll tell me after that. You'll be like, First of all, you'll come in nervous as a cat. You'll be like, oh, man, I hope Pastor Fry is good today. I hope they don't sing that song. They sing this song. But you're going to know at the end of the service when Pastor or whoever it is, me or somebody, gives that invitation. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no looking around. If you've never made a decision to receive Jesus and your friend that you brought 
Which, by the way, you can peek when that happens. You can peek. And they raise your hand. You're going to be like, this is the greatest church on the planet. This is my favorite day. I want that day for you. But you're going to have to be intentional as a giver. You're going to have to be intentional in serving. And you're going to be intentional in sharing your faith. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes wherever you are? Let me just pray for you. Sir, man, boy, girl, I've gone way over. Let me just say this. There's limited time and there's limited opportunity to make the biggest difference for God. That's, that's why you're here. It's not about paying bills. It's not about entertainment on the weekend. It's not about your kids' sports. That's all survival mode. You were created for more. God wants you to know you were created for more. You were created to make an eternal difference for God. And I pray in Jesus' name that that reality just is stamped on the hearts and minds of every person in this room. And to the one that maybe is concerned, they're listening and they're like, yeah, but what about that first test, PD? I don't know. Let me ask you a question. I'm asking that one person, maybe, maybe more than that, maybe several. Are you ready? With every head bowed, every eye closed. Are you ready for that first question? Are you ready for that first question? What did you do with my son, Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, I'm tired of living with my with, with, with my own vision and view of religion. I'm, I'm willing to let that go. It's certainly not worked for me all these years. I'm, I'm tired of living tired, sick and tired. I'm tired of living with shame, with guilt, with blame, and all these things. And, and I'm ready. Something inside me is ready to just turn over my life to God. And, and I want to be able to say yes. I want to be able, I want that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's interesting because Jesus wants you to know when he was here on earth, like you are here on earth, he prepared the whole time to leave. And I think if Jesus could say something to you, his advice would be, sir, ma'am, are you prepared to leave this life? And I want to say as his servant this morning, it's the easiest thing to be ready for that, but it'll cost you everything. It's the easiest thing to receive salvation, but it'll cost you. And if you're here today and you'd like to say, count me in, I want to pray for that. Count me in on that prayer. I want to, I want to make Jesus, I don't want to put him on my list. I want to put him top of the list because he can only be on the top. So if you're, the reason it will cost you everything is because he won't be on the bottom. He can't be on the bottom. He'll never accept bottom. He can only be first. That's what it means to make him not just Savior but Lord. If you're ready to make him Savior and Lord, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to leave today. I want to be counted in on that prayer. Good night. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God bless you. Yes, good night. Thank you over there. Good night. Look, just look at me. If that's you raising your hand, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Would you just say this with those that raise their hands? Say this. So Jesus, count me in. I don't want to know religion. I want to be in relationship. Today, I receive salvation by grace through faith in accordance with your word. I want to know you personally. I want my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life in permanent ink in Jesus' name. And today, I decide to put you top of the list and give anything and everything I have to make an eternal difference for Jesus Christ. And everybody in the room said, Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big shout. Come on, let's give him the biggest praise. God bless you, everybody.